With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Final edition of Summer Breakfast on SEN. Uh, Vossi and Brandy back on deck on Monday. You heard the promo there. So uh, Brandy has finished gurning the house. He said he's done watching the cricket. He just flicked me a text say, Jules, no, no, I, I lied. I'm still watching the cricket because Australia taking on India. Great to have your company wherever you tuned in. 11.70am in Sydney. 8.01am on the Central Coast, 15.75am Illawarra, 90.3FM in Griffith, 13.23 in Canberra and via the SEN app. And a good morning as well to our Queensland listeners tuning in via SENQ693, 16.20 on the Gold Coast and through the SEN Track Network with us for the first hour before we hand over the reins to Pat and Heels. I'm Julian King, Chloe Amanda Bailey from the Tet Network is flying with me today. And the open line number one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, and the text line oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Have your say on the show today. It is a Healy fest. It is a Healy fest. So Heels will join us in the final hour of the program to have a look at day one in Nagpur, give his reviews, a reality check for the Australians, and then Joe Healy, Joe and a Grace, uh, live from Arizona as we look ahead to Super Bowl fifty seven. Shawnee Omarod from Sportsbet will be here with the latest markets too. Chloe, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Where are we flying? Straight into the weekend. Oh, yeah. I've already spilled coffee on myself. It's a great start to the Well, morning. you've got this sort of tie-dye Calvin Klein <laughs> number, so it always looks already looks like someone's vomited on it. So if you're going to spill coffee on any shirt, it's probably good to spill it on something with that kind of pattern. I nearly you know wore a white singlet. Lucky well, I Well, I got the white shirt. So that's enough. So make sure to, can you not spill coffee on me? <laughs> I was just checking. I thought it looked like you had a spillage already. I was like, this is a great start for the morning too. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. You know, it's funny because we had Jaleesa Rapp's first three days. She came in all all dressed in the nines, ready to go. She's dressed up. You dressed down. And I mean this as a compliment. You do look like an unmade bed this morning. I woke up. Yes. I would only get out of bed at this time for you, mate, for Mm. the record. I appreciate that. I looked in the mirror. Mm. I'd slept with my hair like this, and I was like, yeah, we good. It's radio. Being straight up out in the bed. (laughs) That's the way to do it. (laughs) Well, this time of the morning, any spare minutes you can salvage are worth absolute gold. Australians with a mountain to climb. First test in Nagpur. I know you were glued to the screen. Yesterday. 177 all out. India in reply. One four seventy seven. Um, this test match is as good as gone, barring a miracle. Barring a miracle, yeah. but you never know what can happen. Well, I look, mean, India, we might India find have something to bat today. last. They do have to bat last. Yeah, but they are flying at the moment. Rohit Sharma is a Nagpur boy. Loves playing on this pitch. I mean, he was untroubled. He's flown one for seventy seven. The night watchman in, but Australia. It's it's funny. Look at that innings. The, the two openers went early in in Kawaja and Warner. It, funny the Kawaja one. To the naked eye, it looked like that ball was sliding down leg. And Siraj and Shami did get the ball to hoop around a bit early. And we thought, bang, bang. You know, Mark Taylor, uh, the great Australian captain, always said two wickets can change a game. And so you had the two openers gone. Next thing you know, Smith and Labashain become basically the, the surrogate openers. And got through to lunch and batted really well. We thought, okay, these two are going to be the saviors of the series. Then Marnus goes to a ripping delivery by Jadeja. Just dragged him out of the crease nicely. Some very handy work by K.S. Barat behind a, the yeah, stumps. Yeah, he's, he's a genuine gloveman. 
genuine. Because Richard Pan is the batter keeper. He's more of a keeper batter. Although he's a better batter than Saha. And then Smith goes. And then Renshaw goes. Yeah. So there you go, bang, bang, another about double barrel. And further down when you had Carey looking pretty good before that audacious reverse and then the Cummins fell, I think, about 10 runs later. And then next thing you know, they couldn't even get through a day's worth of cricket. So 177, I was thinking, you know, if you get to 250 there and knock off a couple of early wickets, you're in this game. But as it stands, 177, if you're batting first in these conditions, you've got to go big and they didn't do that. No. I was also thinking when Hanscom and Carey was out there um, – Lucky that they were building a little partnership because imagine if we didn't have those runs yeah. after how many wickets we lost there. Also, oh, you know, one thought I had, what about all the kind of chat about the pitch and how they pre- were preparing the pitch and they were so worried about the spinners to the lefty openers, but it was the quicks that took both our openers out. It's funny, isn't it? Everyone's talking about spin, spin, spin in India. In Australia, last time they had success, they relied on their quick, their pace barrage. You still got to keep him out. Yeah. Yeah. And Warner got done again by that right arm around the wicket. Did they find his off stump yet? Oh, <laughs> my goodness. That cartwheel. <laughs> About 30 <laughs> metres behind the boundary. He went so far. Yeah. So he's got an issue, doesn't he, with the right hand around the wicket. Uh, Stuart Broad, of course, owned him in England. But I didn't think people were really talking about necessarily that, that spot outside the off stump for the left-handers. You still got to bowl well. You still got to bat well. Still got to put the ball in the right spots. In fact, if anything, the spinners in that first session were probably guilty of thinking it was a five-day pitch, not flooding it enough. Think they just darted in there and wait for the natural variation before the pitch had broken up. And then Jadeja just just reeled it back a bit. They they changed his his flight path. Uh, likewise, Ashwin, who sort of cleaned up the tailing, does that for fun. The second fastest to 450 Test wickets too, over Chandra Ashwin after Murali, but. Yeah, this was everything that they feared, and it's come back to haunt them. And what about uh, Smudge's wicket? I, I asked you earlier, what's more dangerous, the turning ball or it's the one a, that yeah, stays straight? Straight one. <laughs> straight one. Yeah, that's the third time Steve Smith's been bowled, by the way, by Ravi Jadeja. Ravi been is bowled really... by Ravi more than any other test bowler. They will be very happy to have Ravi back because, of course, he had a knee injury some months ago and he yeah. hasn't. He's been playing brilliantly in the domestic competitions over there, but he hasn't played international cricket for some time. To come back and take a five far, yeah, and, that was, and he can bat. And that was the eleventh five wicket haul for Ravi Jadeja. And and I wonder, having looked at his five, having looked at his five, whether the selectors thinking should we have gone with Ashton Agar left arm finger spinner? They didn't. They opted to pick the debutant Todd Murphy. Got his first Test wicket. Congratulations to him. But the big talking point with regards to selections was this omission of Travis Head. Yeah, huge and. It doesn't look great because Maddie Renshaw obviously went out and went for a duck. So it's even, you know, it gives people more fuel to be like, should have picked Travis Head. But I like to kind of play devil's advocate and be like, well, it could have, like, Travis Head could have also gone for a duck. Yeah, I get that. But for a person who's in the form of his life, and, and yeah, they keep citing his figures in Asia, Travis Head, 2022, 564 runs, average of 80.57, striking at 90.67. Same year in Asia, 91 runs, average of 15, strike rate of 48. I understand that. Hanscom, you you get the selection due to him being a right-hander. So I understand that selection. I get it. But it's not as though Renshaw exactly, and I'm a big fan of Matt Renshaw, but it's not as though Renshaw has pedigree on Indian wickets. Four tests back in 2017, sure, a couple of 50s, an average of 29. Surely Travis Head had the chance to make amends and prove his wares in these conditions, despite 
missing out or not cashing in in Pakistan or Sri Lanka? I'm picking Travis Head. And I think it's going to look even more silly if next game they go, you know, if Matty Renshaw runs really lean in the, in this first game, in the next batting innings, we then pick Travis Head. Because chopping and changing a team all the time doesn't ever work for anybody. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Call us as well. The Motorola open line 1300 01170. Check out the latest smartphones from motorola.com.au. Did you sit out and watch the cricket last night? What did you make of it? Were you happy with the selections? Did they get it right, the selectors? Is it outrageous that head was dropped? Would you have picked Murphy? Would you have picked Agar? Would you have picked Swepson? And what about Warner? What is his, where does his future lie? Do you see him surviving all four tests if he misses out the second innings and, say, for example, in the first innings or in the next test? 0457 736 736. And did you flick over to the rugby league last night? The first of the pre-season challenges got underway. The Warriors are big 48 points, a 12 winner, the West Tigers in the opening round. I want to hear from Tigers fans as well. Yeah, we've been actually talking him up, if anything. You heard Vossi on the program yesterday saying going to be a big year for Tommy Talao. Uh, Charlie Stane, I didn't catch any of this. I must confess I didn't. And listen, I don't take too much stock in trial form. Remember last year at the back of the Charity Shield, everybody had the Dragons in the eight. How quickly we forget. So how did Charlie Staines go? Can somebody fill me in? 48 points to 12. As I said, you don't read too much in a trial form, but a couple of Tigers fans that I know, uh, I asked them about it and they texted me. They said... You know, defensively, the formation looked pretty similar under Tim Sheens as to what it did under, say, for example, Brett Kamali, as well as Michael Maguire. So the Warriors, 48 points to 12. What did you make of that game? Did you see that game? Also in the NRL, Chloe, the pay war has descended into a fresh fast. The Telegraph reporting that some NRL clubs are planning to hold back millions owed to players under the new salary cap on the advice of the Players Association. Now, you're a, you're a Penrith fan. Yes, you sir. are as frustrated as any other fan in the game about this impasse. When are they going to sort this out? It's just going on and on and on. And, like, realistically, are the players going to strike? No. Nope. I don't think they They strike, are. they don't get paid. As I said, so Andrew Webster was on with Matty White on Tuesday, I think it was, and he's back on deck today too, Matty Johns. Back on deck with Webby and who else is there, Dan? Denon. Oh, Denon's back. Bloke yeah, bar. No, that is that is appointment radio. And Webby said he was talking to one of the players. Oh, you're thinking about striking. Well, if it comes to that, we'll strike. You know you don't get paid. And the player said, what? So I'm not sure they realise the ripple effect or the consequences that strike action may have. I remember that first day that they talked about it a few weeks ago when Kurt Capewell um, was being interviewed and he said they wouldn't rule out strike action. And my immediate thought when I was listening was, well, you don't get paid if you strike. But... What else? What are the, what else do they do? They have to threaten with, but this saga is just dragging on and on and on. And rug, it's basically it's rugby league season already. Like the first game's in a few weeks. Yeah, it won't happen. It won't happen. Hopefully, they'll reach some kind of agreement. Look, I mean, they'll have an MOU that that would see the season proceed. But you know, it's ugly and it's messy. And there's talk about recording secretly under. So the, you know, it, the trust between the two parties has never been more eroded than it is. At the moment, the Herald's reporting too that NRL players will decide by lunchtime today whether to push ahead with plans to disrupt this preseason tournament. So we had the game last night, and all the chatter was, well, they needed to come to a decision by close of business Thursday. We didn't see it last night, but according to the Herald, players will decide by lunchtime today whether to push ahead with plans to disrupt the preseason. That means covering up the logo, delaying start times, and refusing media interviews. Yeah, look, that can throw things out for the broadcasters. It's it's particularly inconvenient. The other thing there is a lot of these games are taken to the bush. You know, it's a bit of a slap into the face at those who rarely get to see 
top flight rugby league. You say, oh, we're you know, taking the kids out. Guess what? The play's not going to start on time. Well, in regards to the not doing media, they have been doing media. They've just not been doing NRL media. But um, I remember when, so even Newcastle Knights, they called me the afternoon before they they were doing team photos and they said, oh, because we're, we're going to go up there. And they said, we're cancelling tomorrow. And I was like, oh, is this over the the pay disagreement or, the, sorry, the CBA disagreement? And he was like, yes. Um, so we won't be doing team photos for the NRL but they still have been doing media interviews. But, yeah, they're not doing anything for the NRL. Mm. Now, Manly have joined South Sydney in rejecting this controversial junior rugby league edict to abolish the awarding of competition points until the age of 13 and tackling until midway through the sevens, under sevens. So the New South Wales Rugby League poised to implement the NRL's nationwide policy for the upcoming season. This is one of the more divisive topics in the game. It comes, oh, you're not teaching your kids resilience. No points awarded and tackling until midway through the under seven. So Manly have joined South Sydney in rejecting this rugby league edict. Where do you stand on this? I mean, I think there's a lot of froth and bother about this notion of not awarding points. My son plays soccer, albeit under eights. They don't score officially, but in their head, they know who won. They know Absolutely. Who lost. So their sense of winning and losing doesn't diminish just because there's no official scoreboard. You'd, I'm so sorry, and I'm throwing my brother under a bus here, but this is just, I was just thinking all this. And when we played Aussie rules as little kids, yeah. my brother would still be upset even when we won because mm. he was a sore winner. How, how can you be a sore winner? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. How is that possible? He probably didn't kick 50 goals for the team or something, but hilarious. But yeah, let me just say that, so in even in some of our cricket, you know, I play grade cricket, they don't have the scores. People don't know the scores they're on and they think it's good for the younger people to not know what score they're on. But for someone like me, I would be kicking and screaming like I want to know. And yeah, you do know who won and who didn't. And doesn't it teach you something in life? But the point I'm making is that they know who won anyway. Yeah, So the 100%. lesson is still there. So you might say, well, in that case, it's a moot point. But the bottom line is that juniors are about one thing and one thing only, and that's participation, right? So parents are thinking, gee, I don't like the way they're tackling. I'm not going to sign my kid up to this game. Then they've got a problem because Australia has a limited population. You've got a number of mainstream sports all competing for talent. You, know, you can't play every single one of them. So you want the best players or you want every kid available playing your sport. All right, so you've got to make it as accessible as you can. 0457 736 736, the text line number now to the basketball. You've been following the NBL pretty closely. We had the finals get underway last night. Perth Wildcats, well done to them. Uh, turned around a 13-point deficit into a 169-99 victory, uh, bringing a shell-shocked South East Melbourne Phoenix season to an end. The other game, the Jack Jumpers defeated the Taipans. So they've got this revamped final system, Chloe. Now, I'd like you to take me and our listeners through it and how oh, it all gosh. works and who's going to play who. Have you got that in front of you? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. Also, might I say, Perth Wildcats, holy smokes, Last weekend, the way they played against the Kings, and people were like, Kings will sit out a whole heap of people because they're already going through as top seed. They didn't do that. And Perth Wildcats needed to win by more than 11 points. They needed to win by 11 points to knock out Melbourne United and get through to the top six. And they did that. So they are coming into some incredible form into the finals. So, okay, let's have a look at and Okay, so I've got, let me look at this. So in the play-in tournament, so the seeding qualifier was Taipans, Jack Jumpers. That's done. Okay, so the next game, the play-in game, 
it's so hard for me to look at this, to be honest. So the Jack Jumpers defeated the Taipans. Yes. So now the Taipans will play the Wildcats. Wild the Breakers will play the Jack Jumpers. Yes. And the Kings will then play. The Kings will play the winner of Taipans Wildcats. Yep. Are you with us? Yeah. Okay, so the Kings can sit back and watch them beat each other up. And yes. We spoke to, to Paul Smith on the program earlier this week. So they will play the winner of the Taipans and the Wildcats. If they play, because they've had some some pretty spicy rivalries of both of those teams. Of course, the Taipans coach Adam Ford been named the NBL Coach of the Year. And then the Wildcats, well, our illustrious leader, Hutchie. You know, he's very invested in the Perth side. And there's a bit of a war of words between Hutchie and Paul Smith. So that, there's no love lost between the two teams. Uh, that'll get bums on seats without question. But uh, Sydney Kings, you'd have to think, are the team to beat. And if you like your NBA, uh, the Brooklyn Nets have been blown up at the moment. They've agreed to trade superstar Kevin Durant of the Phoenix Suns in a blockbuster mood. Move that will send Brooklyn back into a rebuild. So as it stands, Ben Simmons is still there. So people are now making the jokes that they got Ben Simmons and everyone else is leaving. I said Kyrie Irving, he's gone. You know James Harden, he left. Kevin Durant, gone. So what does that say about Ben Simmons? Apparently they want to trade Ben Simmons as well. So we'll watch that space very very closely. As mentioned, a Signa Boost power bank valued at. Let's round it up to 60 bucks, shall we? Signa Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. So I, I want to get your thoughts today on the selection of the Australian team for the first test in Nagpur. Did you watch it? What did you make of day one? Uh, where did they get it wrong? Was Travis Head, was it a travesty that Travis wasn't chosen? And as I said, the, the numbers in Asia, 2022, average is only 15. This is across the Sri Lanka and Pakistan series. I get that. I get that. And logically speaking, you're worried about then bowling to left-handers and left-hander heavy side. You pick Hanscom, sure. Good player, a spin, right-hander. I get that selection. But I'm not sure how you go Travis Head sitting behind Matt Renshaw in the pecking order. Given that Matt Renshaw, four tests in India back in 2017, not a lot to go on. A couple of half centuries, average is 29. It's not as though he's demanding to get picked. So Renshaw was in that side in, in place of the injured Cameron Green. But so was Travis Head in that last test in Sydney. So if Cameron Green's out and you want to play the right-hander, well then surely it'd be Green out, Hanscom in, rather than Head out, Hanscom in. Anyway, you know, everyone's an armchair selected. It's a beautiful thing about sport in this country. We all think we know best. And this is your forum here on SEN Summer Breakfast this morning, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Give us a call now on the Motorola open line and have a crack at a prize. And the text is starting to flow through, Chloe, 0457 736 736. Want to hear from Tigers fans? If do we have any Warriors fans out there, by all means, let us know. How did you boys play last night? How did the Warriors go? And Tigers, are you concerned or are you not concerned? A bit too early to tell. I know they ran a lot of the youngsters, as they tend to do in these fixtures. We are up and running the Friday, the final edition of SEN Summer Breakfast. Australia, a 100-run lead at the moment, but uh, they've still got nine in the shed, India. A tough first day at the office. In the first test in Nagpur, what did you make of What did you make of Travis Head's admission? Are you happy with Todd Murphy's selection? And where did the selectors get it wrong? 0457 736 736. Let's go straight to the Motorola open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Good G'day, James. Morning, guys. How oh, are we today? Very well. Not bad. I thought I'd be flagging this time. I've done better than sugar cane last week, I can tell you. Uh, well, we're going to miss you when you're not there next week, that's for sure. Hey, I'm filling in for anyway. Matty White next week. So stick around all nine uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, okay. Thursday. That's all right, mate. We've got uh, on the bus every morning. Good man. Um, now, yesterday, everyone was saying, Manskin, what's he doing in the side? It should have been head. Yeah. But now this morning, all I'm hearing is, oh, Renshaw shouldn't have been in there. 
Hang on. No one mentioned Renshaw shouldn't have been in the side instead of head yesterday. Mm. Is that because Renshaw failed? But though, when you think of it, put Hanscom in because he's a right-hander, fine. But then leave head in and drop Renshaw because then head could bowl a little bit. Yep. And, and I saw a bit of it last night. And it really needed someone in like head to go, right, oh, stuff this, we're, we're stuff. I'm just going to go for the tonk. And go really the big hard tonk, and he would have could you know started to smash a few, a quick fire thirty or forty, and that would have put it up them a little bit, and maybe got a, at least to two hundred. But yeah, that's my opinion. I mean, yeah, yeah. The thing about it is, James. Look, anyone can get a first ball in India. It happens. Let's see what happens in the second dig. But the assumption was okay. The minute Green was ruled out, well, Renshaw was his replacement in Sydney. You assumed he'd be his re- replacement here in India. But once they decided to go Hanscom, I thought, well, then, if you've got to have two left-handers, surely Travis Head, the incumbent, is ahead of Renshaw on the pecking order. It just – it beggars belief, to be honest. And logically, I get the Hanscom selection, being the right-hander, noted good player of spin. But he himself only averages 28 through four tests in India. And he's got himself a 72 knot, the only time he's passed 50. So it, they're rolling the dice either way they look at it. But you can't ignore form, as the great coach Rick Charlesworth once said. And I understand that his form in subcontinent's wickets is far below his form on Australian pitches. But mentally, what does that do to somebody like Travis Head? Yeah, but then you've got to... If you, on that theory of your argument there, I hate saying it because I still think he's a decent bat. Warner. Are you dropping him? Yeah, Warner. Yeah, well, you know, if you're saying, oh, form is the greatest um, selection criteria... Warner select Warner's form in the in the subcontinent's not that good either. Sure, but he got. Yeah, but then oh, you get yeah. the, Who are you going to put in for him? Correct. No mm. one's standing up. Correct. Well, Renshaw at a pinch could open, but yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. There's a bit of dearth. There's a depth in the opening position at the moment for Australia. And just quickly, I think that all comes down to when was the last time you saw all our international players playing Sheffield Shield. Uh, no. All of them. It's been a while. Not all of them, There's yeah. too much white ball cricket now, James. That's a problem. That's that, the that problem. Overlaps. And now we wonder why we don't have a, someone stepping up into opening position because we don't know. They haven't played any red ball Sheffield Shield cricket. We haven't had, We don't have that where, okay, let's drop, to, you know, we used to go and watch Lily play and Maxie Walker and Ian Redpath and all them playing in the Shields. You know, we had Viv Richards over here with the chapels and all that and our shield cricket. Mm. And look at what happened then. Our shield, our test teams were bloody brilliant. Well, I mean, I know Maddie Renshaw played shield over the summer. Uh, so did Usman Khawaja. I mean, but those big names, we definitely d- didn't see Smudge go back or Davey Warner or anyone go back because any time they have off, they tend to spend with their families. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, even in our Windy's South Africa series um, here over the summer, it was one thing I said to Manus Labashain when I was chatting with him was that did he feel like they didn't even get enough Red Bull uh, cricket playing against them because those games didn't go four or five days. They were very short games. Yeah, yeah. James, we've got a flight of the news. Thank you, mate. Uh, good to hear from you as always. Just uh, out of, you know, for the sake of argument, Marcus Harris, by the way, got 100 for Victoria. Oh, I saw that. Yes. I saw so, that. Let's get the news headlines. <laughs>
Thank you, Vanessa. Welcome back. Summer breakfast. A reminder too, Vossie and Brandy return on Monday. We're here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness. Contact Brighton's Lawyers, the part of the show you can have you say. Call the Motorola open line 1300 011170 for the best battery life in its class. Choose Motorola and get us on the text line as well. 0457 736 736. Serbian Seagull says, Travhead should tell the Aussie cricket team to jam it and chase the T20 mercenary money. He's the number five, not Renshaw, not Hanscom. Yeah, a lot of people agree with you. Thank you, Serbian Seagull. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Chloe and Jules. Can I ask you guys a question? Were you more disappointed with our batting or our bowling yesterday? Uh, uh, batting. Yeah, batting. It has to be batting. We didn't, like, Toddy Murphy didn't bowl poorly. We just we just weren't creating opportunities yesterday. I mean, Paddy Cummins first, he's three overs, though. Not, not. Well, very the first nice. one he found, he found the edge of Rohit Sharma's bat, but then Rohit Sharma found the middle of the bat, and you know what did he get? Thirteen runs or something yeah. off the first over. So he was expensive. Pat Cummins, uh, knowing Pat, uh, he'll bounce back and probably take two crucial wickets. Um, so they didn't quite get their lengths right. The quicks, the bowling was okay. They didn't look particularly troubled, did they? Though the Indian openers. But the thing about the batting is, that, you know, obviously with Warner and and, and Kawaja going cheaply, that just puts them on the back foot. Smith and Labuschagne just re-established the platform really nicely. They just got out at really bad times. If Labuschagne had his chance again, he'd revise that shot that he played due to Deja. Mm. I'm sure Kerry would revise the reverse that he played that saw him dismiss. You know, Renshaw was a good one, but, geez, he'd, he'd played that differently again. So yeah, the thing about these pitches too, Chris, is that you're never really in on them. Even you get to 2030, sometimes in Australia, you get to 2030, you get a sense that the deck's going to flatten out and you get your eye on them. It's not quite like that. And I always felt that they were sort of playing the, the mental game, thinking, yeah. okay, well, a couple more wickets in trouble here. So they've caught between trying to be safe and risk-averse, but mm. also trying to accelerate because the last thing you want to do is sort of get bogged down on these pitches, especially when Jadeja and Ashwin and Akshay Patel came into their own. Yeah, and doesn't it become a thing, yeah, right, when we're losing wickets and then the pressure build up, the pressure build up. Like, Kerry and Hanscom did well to drag it back a little bit after we lost those wickets, but... um. I mean, what did you think? Did, were you more disappointed in the batting or the bowling? I agree with you, Chloe, that our young rookie, Murphy, he was easily our best bowler, which was good, I mean, in one way. But at the same time, I thought that, um, yeah, Patton and Lyons sort of let us down a bit in the bowling. But what really concerns me the most is our three fast bowlers. I'm sure this wasn't part of the grand plan, but Stark, Hazelwood and Green wouldn't play in this test, but that's the way it's worked out. But now they're expected... We've got another test starting in Delhi in like a week's time or four days after this test finishes. And you talk about players being underdone. What happens then? I mean, even if some of them are apparently fit to play, they haven't played a lot of cricket, any of those guys. So isn't that a concern looking ahead even to the second test? Yeah, probably. About our battery and fast bowlers. Stark will come back in. I mean, in. that's all really... Yeah, the thing about it is, just watching this too, Chris, I feel like we've missed a left armour, be it a quick or a spinner. Yeah. And I'm not a big rap on Agar as a test spinner, but, gee, desperately missing Mitch Stark. As, and not only, you know, and you see Murphy and, and co operating around the wicket a fair bit because they want to try and sort of create those footmarks there for Nathan Lyon. But I couldn't help but think, gee, I'd love Stark. I would love Stark right now. Literally within the first, like, six overs or ten overs, I was like, man, I miss Stark. We needed Stark. That's what I felt as well. Anyway... Um, but, you know, Josh Hazelwood is still training. If we get him back for the second test, I don't know what's happening with his Achilles. Of course, yes, he did miss most of the 
uh, a lot of test cricket here over summer and then he played in that um, fifth test uh, or sorry, that third test getting mixed up with the Windies in South Africa um, at the, the New Year's test in Sydney and because of those dodgy pitch, not dodgy pitch repairs, but they tried to uh, repair the pitch after it rained so much and he said just kind of that soft area is what did his Achilles. So, But he is back training um, and I still think he'd be good for us if he can come back for the second test. Yeah, without question. Good on you, Chris. Always good to get your thoughts. We've got to fly. 0457 Three, six. Uh, Fitzy, hello to you. Good morning, guys. If head wasn't up to it, how is water playing? Unless it's a green top bowl and can't get a wick. Well, they got more middle order options than they do top order options, Fitzy. Uh, good morning, beautiful people. Happy Friday, y'all. Uh, quick question. Is Andrew McDonald the worst coach since Mickey Arthur and homework day? That is harsh, says Dan. Seriously, drop Warner. McDonald is so undecisive or indecisive, can't make big calls or tap a player on the shoulder and say time's up. Well, hang on, Warner got 200. In Melbourne, got player of the series, albeit a, a joke of an award. Even though the Sydney test should have been his last. But with Aaron Finch, nothing will change. Warner will see out India and England. I'm not so sure about that. And most likely average 10. Head should be vice-captain and can't for the life of me work out why he was dropped, especially when he can bowl spin. I, I wonder if they go, well, line bowls off spin, Murphy bowls off spin. Do we need a third off-spinning option? I wonder if that came into calculations with the decision to drop Head. But ba- basically, the decision to omit him was off the back of his poor numbers in the subcontinent. But Hanscom average is less than 30 there. Renshaw average is less than 30. So it's not as though these are, you're talking blokes like Steve Smith who are averaging over 50 and scoring hundreds of fun in India. These two that are in there ahead of head are not. Uh, Matt, good morning. Jules and Chloe, I thought the body language of Australia was poor, especially Cummins. His bowling was disgraceful. They couldn't swing the ball one bit compared to the Indian opening bowlers. Found that really interesting. Well, Boland's not a swing bowler. Pat Cummins is not a swing bowler. And Pat Cummins actually jokes about this. When he was a kid, he got his finger jammed in a, a door, like a door hinge. So it's nicked off the top of his his middle finger. So his two fingers, basically his index finger, his middle finger, and his ring finger are all about the same length. And he jokes that because he can't get that. Interesting. Yeah, sort of, yeah even though swing's probably more about wrist How position, have I but, not heard that before? Yeah, so he's, he's lost a part of his finger, top of his finger. So as a result of that, he, he reckons he can't swing the, the cricket ball. Well, I'll tell you one thing I did um... – I was thankful for yesterday's that the whole way through Manus, um, Labashane was chirping and, and encouraging the boys. And I think like someone like that to have around the team is so, so good. Uh, Cause his body language wasn't poor and he, he kept encouraging the boys the whole way through. And those are the type of things I notice. Yeah. Summer breakfast. Vossi and Brandy here. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget, you can listen live to the show every weekday morning from 6 till 9. Tune in through 11.70am in Sydney or anywhere in the world through the SEN app.